0: People, Deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the Deluded Podcast. It's been a minute, it's been a while. I know I've kept you lot entertained via YouTube and whatnot, but in regards to the audio content and them sort of things, it's been a minute. Uh, To be honest with you people, I like to give you quality. Now, with YouTube, you can bang out videos, but I don't want to be forcing this podcast thing. I didn't really think during the international break there was anything really to comment on but we're back man the Premier League's back this weekend sadly there's been certain racist incidences we've seen wags fighting each other in the international break metaphorically speaking it's just been YouTube beef in fact I've heard <clears throat> apologies that Wayne Rooney and Vardy have unfollowed each other on Instagram so it's extending it's expending and all them things there into the in into other things so yeah we've been kept entertained man football keeps moving just like life so let's crack on <clears throat> oh, people, man, I can't like, I think I'm coming down with a cold, man, London has been crazy, there's been so much, what's the word, disruption on the underground because of the protests, there's obviously been that, um, the weather today was atrocious, yeah, man, I think I'm coming down with something, but moving forward... Um, before I begin I'd implore Arsenal fans to, to explore the Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp video. I watched that the other day and it was quite a good it was quite a good little YouTube clip they put together. Obviously for us Arsenal fans. Those of you older than me, you're old enough to remember Dennis Bergkamp and um Ian Wright as a partnership. Sadly I'm a nineties baby, mid nineties baby, so I didn't see that myself first hand and can only watch tapes and that, but it's got something for everyone. Points I took away is a bit of psychological around it. He, he spoke about how, obviously, the healthy bust-ups in training. He was saying he don't really see that nowadays. Um, he spoke about people writing him off, like Alan Sugar, saying that they should have bought Stan Collymore or something instead. He spoke about injuries causing him to miss tournaments um, and what and whatnot. Um he spoke about how him and Ian Wright met he spoke about how when Arsene Wenger came and how um only the Ajax side and I believe at the time Wenger's Monaco side we were playing a certain formation so it's a quite quite a good listen and whatnot people man but let's crack on with the more serious stuff now <clears throat> I can't not speak about it I know I've made content on YouTube about this but It's important to recap for those of you who didn't see it. I'm sure you've either seen or heard or seen the footage or heard several players speak out now. Sadly, a number of England players were subject to not only a hostile environment, but quite frankly, let's not dress it up, racial abuse. Now, personally, I could hear the monkey chants um, on, on the TV. And these things have happened before. But something just, you know, when something shocks you differently, people, that one there. It kind of made me feel a bit different it felt a bit surreal it, it kind of i don't know man that one really affected me man it really brought to light the connotations of what racists are what racism is really how them individuals in particular show no respect i mean someone had <clears throat> you know you go come to the market and you can find them people who make the take the makeup of like at Nike and adidas and things like that he had the no respect t-shirt on obviously the right hand the right hand um salutes and all of these sort of things and it was dark, man, it's dark, like, I've actually spoken to people, like, cameramen who were out there on, me, on on England's behalf, people, and they were subject to it as well, it's not just the players, people, like, no, not to take anything away from it, like, it is really scary, what is even scarier than that, if that's even a word, um, is the goalkeeper denying it, the coach denying it, several figureheads in relation to Bulgaria denying this ever happened, I know somebody has stepped down from whatever position, but, it is what it is, man, I mean, it is what it is, nothing is going to change, we just, it it is what it is, people, man, I mean, it it is what it is, in that theme, I actually was going to kind of just not mention this, but I'm not a chicken, this was part of my original sort of idea in the week to speak about in the podcast, in relation, not relation, but in kind of theme with racism and whatnot, John Barnes, man, now, John Barnes, for me, John Barnes is moving mad now. I'm not gonna. I don't believe in witch hunting people and stuff. Like some of the things he says, and again, some I agree with. Not not these things that are catching headlines and stuff, but some of the things. But he just sounds so out of touch. And for the older people that like I speak to, like my uncles and family friends and everyone, they're really disappointed. This is a man that let's cut. Let's let's be serious. I know Liverpool's changed, but I wasn't there at the time. But he joined Liverpool. There was a lot of there was a lot of negative vibes around him signing them and he won over obviously you've seen the infamous picture with the banana being thrown at him and it's like to hear some of the things he's come out with and some of the footage and the fact he's the go-to guy for any racist topic for me it does my head in now I've got a lot of respect for him but I mean come on now like just just come on man I'm not going to spend too much time on John Barnes but he said something people so let's take a minute Is a bit of a meaty one he has said <sighs> If Jamie Redknapp and I went to the zoo, and in the monkey house, we were asked to have a competition as to see who could mimic a monkey's jump, and I won, it wouldn't have been because I was black, it could could easily be because I jumped like a monkey better than he could. Now, I mean, okay, when you put it like that, I mean, yeah... Not everything is racist, but we need to call out racism, mate, when it's seen. Okay, yeah, in that context, cool. Like it's like when a teacher in school would say you're being a cheeky monkey, she's not being racist necessarily. She's you're being cheeky, it's a saying, okay, what did that prove? All right, I don't think you can put racist all racist incidences and prejudices and things simply into the box of who of mimicking a monkey. I mean, come on now, man. Like let's 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 cut the crap. There's a lot. There's racism in different ways across many European countries and I mean some, it's got to the point where some don't even class certain things as racism, like you've got long held traditions, like you've got Spanish people dressing up in blackface, you've got, um, obviously in Amsterdam, people can say, swear to the blue in the face that is it's not racist and the connotations behind it aren't. I'm not going to expand, we know where we're at at that point people, I'm not trying to tell people about their cultures but it is quite and simply a bit barbaric of sorts but is what it is dg's trying to chase that band let me stay away from giving my opinion as raw as i possibly can but moving on every time we as black people wear what is considered to be historical racist stereotypes we have to understand that while we're aware of it white society is not always is not always so there are times when things are done slash said not often without any racial meaning behind them and each episode has to be judged individually on its own merits rather than generalizing i mean again i don't necessarily i don't think anyone can really disagree with that i think everybody comprehends that we uh, there's different bits of racism there's different bits of prejudices there's also un, especially people that don't necessarily understand marginalized groups there's on un- there- there's I would say it is racist to a degree, but there's different branches of it. There's unconscious bias, there's unhealthy bias, there's propaganda, there's all of these, there's unlearning certain things. Of course, I'm not. if you generalise, you sold nothing. Again, you have to judge things on their individual merits. Not everything is racist, it, people, I'm not going to lie to you, but again, it's important of commenting when things specifically are racist the example he previously just gave about the monkey and him and jamie Rednap trying to have a contest anyone that's sensible can comprehend that okay he did the better monkey impression again if they went into the if they went into the same monkey house and somebody said you look like the better monkey without them trying to pull faces or anything just on his skin color that's a different thing i common sense really isn't that common man and moving on he said i genuinely Generally, sorry, use Piers Morgan as my moral compass. When I wake up and turn on Good Morning Britain with blurry eyes and tired vision, um, sorry people, tired eyes and blurry vision, I I messed that completely up. Whatever his opinion is on something, I just go with the opposite. That's not a good indicator of of the way one should think, but even after waking up properly and analysing the situation, I don't think I've once changed my mind. So when the Liam Neeson thing came up, it was no different. I was horrified at Neeson, but what I thought he had, um, um, what I thought he had said. But thankfully, Piers' insistent on him being hung out, drawn and quartered, and and knowing my thoughts on Piers made me think: don't judge him yet. Let him let me hear what he said, and think about what he means, rather than looking at edited versions of his words. Sound familiar? Well, again, John Barnes. Okay, cool i do think in 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 whether i like someone whether i agree with someone or not we know the social dynamic is words in social media nowadays can get it can get blurred like i could say something i could like i'm talking now people someone could take what i'm saying out of context mess it up get them little outrages and things because people are not logical they will not listen to why the outrages people just want to be outraged about one thing tomorrow the next thing a lot and i believe a lot of that is because things ain't going on in their life but that that is true There's been times, John Barnes, you probably have been taken out of context, but what are you talking about? This sounds like nonsense. Now, I don't agree with Piers Morgan. I can't stand the man. But I mean, if you're purely disagreeing with a man or disagreeing with something just because you don't like something, you're waking up and and, and not even putting an interest in it because of the racial connotations, which admittedly you have said, just because Piers Morgan's commented, it, you're going to take the opposite. That sounds like foolishness to me. And I mean, it's nonsense. I mean, you've given an interview trying to sound kind of like the voice of reason. But it's crazy. There's a reason John Barnes is the guy who specifically people gets called by these media stations and things to talk because he constantly does nonsense. Similar, Ironically, you and Piers, John Barnes, to a degree, you're the same. Because if you get each other on your side, we know... Outrage sells. Look at GMTV the other day, people. They get complaints probably every day about Piers Morgan, folks. We know this. So what did they do? They made a they 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 out. I I believe the term's outrage marketing. That's specifically what they did. But what did they do? They turned in a poll: should Piers get the sack? No. In one hand, they're not gonna sack him because regardless what you think about him. Certain privileges allow him to speak a certain way, and he brings the views in, similar to talk sports. Alan Brazil, because he's probably a dinosaur in his thing as well, and probably needs to get moved on. But um he gets the views, he gets the engagement levels. That's what these stations are doing. Do you think if people spoke normal, said things that were actually said and weren't personalities and things, do you think people the, the viewer rates would drop and things like that? And I mean, Liam needs to not to speak about things that have happened time ago, but this is a man that is fair enough. Like again. What happened to I don't want to expand on certain things, but what happened, the assault on his on his um sister or whoever it was, um is is, is upsetting and it's sad and I wish I could take her pain away and there's no place for people that do things like that. We know this. But the man sat there and said he was rolling out trying to find black guys more or less to cause some some harm to. I'm sorry. Again, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. That's like, if me, if I'm walking down the street and an Asian man punches me in my face, I'm gonna get out, I'm gonna go home, get some weapon, and just look for the first Asian man to smash up, like, or walk around doing that, like, I'm sorry, that's nonsense, that's just racist nonsense, like, again, he can say his his, his head weren't in the right place, and all these things, and that all might be true, but come on now, man, don't reason for the sake of reasoning, man, um... And then just for Neeson I think Neeson actually said When I found out it was a black man For one week I ran around looking for any black man to kill Come on now There's no reason behind that That's just stupidness Come on That's someone with problems like, And if someone in normal society said that They'll probably be in- interrogated And all of these sort of things people But let's move on man let- let- let's-, let's move on I'm not going to read the rest of this guy's nonsense man Really and- Really and truly In fact I think he's Finally he's spoken about benjamin mendy thing like i'm really getting annoyed with john barnes reading this again but he's gone on and said if you go back to the cartoons the logo originates from yes where where the logo originates from then yes that is unacceptable but i'm pretty sure bernardo has not seen those cartoons nor was he referencing them now again this is the perfect example of unlearning things now the biggest mistake obviously it was banter people, like, do I believe Bernardo Silva is racist? No, I don't know him. He might very well be, but I don't think he comes across as someone that is racist. He messed up. What we all know, banter, we we all have banter people. Certain banter, I run with my friends. If I came out and said them on my platforms or things, you will hang me out to dry, and I'm sure you're the same. That's the mistake they made. You don't put that on the socials, right or wrong. You don't put that on the socials. This conversation ain't head-said. And a lot of these footballers need to learn... I know not, not not all of them are doing their own tweets but they need to stop and think is this going to cause any sort of uncertainty at all and if the question is yes and if they can't answer it then don't post it just don't post it, don't do the talking because you, you're just getting yourself in unnecessary stuff, especially with social media and the way and all the dynamics Bernardo Silva, what did I just say people about, there's a different there's, there's a, if, if we just put a circle on racism in the middle of a paper, there's many different biases or, or different ways of racism that's the one thing I agree with John Bonds you can't, you can't throw that into just one massive massive sort of plot hole sort of thing. You've got unconscious bias, which Bernardo Silva might not have learned through society growing up where he's grown up. He might not have learned that, yo, listen, this isn't, this isn't, this is, this isn't acceptable. It's racist sort of thing. It can be seen as offensive. If Bernard, if if Ben, if Mendy said, if they said it in the private, then it's fine, people. He said, it's not fine, but they're bantering between the two. Mendy might have said a madness as well. Now it's come out, someone that doesn't know you lot's relation and really shouldn't have opinion on it. You have offended them. You can't tell someone you're not offended when you've put out something in the public. If I put out a video, of people and somebody's offended to a degree, I might not have to care. I might not have to dis. I can disregard their opinion, but they have a right to be offended. and which again, it goes back to doubt. Um, when in doubt, don't post. But not Bernard, Bernardo Silva clearly isn't racist, and again, it's it's unlearning certain cultural things and whatnot and things you shouldn't do the biggest mistake he made is coming out and saying it in the public but moving on he said all he comes across is on a is a picture on a spanish tweet and a picture of mendy and he said he thinks they look alike also, Sterling came out and said he saw nothing wrong with Silver's tweet. Where was the criticism towards him? Sterling did get a lot of criticism, but you could see Sterling now. Let's let's be honest, that was a massive PR job by Manchester City, and they kind of got it wrong. It was a serious PR job they was running there. Sterling clearly looked a bit distressed, in my opinion, and looked like... Again, you can always speak out, but Sterling looked like he's been briefed and whatnot, and he looked like he didn't want to comment on it. And again, I don't think Bernardo is necessarily racist, but he has to hold his hands up for coming out in the public and saying that and he should potentially be put on an educational class to potentially learn away from Benjamin Mendy potential other unconscious biases he has or his certain attitudes and that could be for people that are necessarily coming from where he's coming from, if they've got the same sort of view, he can be some sort of an example of, yo, hey, this isn't right and whatnot, and people. Because, again, I say to a degree, blackface is seen as something, for instance, I know this isn't blackface, but blackface is seen as something genuinely not offensive in, in many countries, if we look at it now, people in Europe um, and elsewhere. But moving on, he, he's, he said, for a long time, images of black men with big lips and a round head were used to make us feel inferior. But it doesn't need to be like that. We don't need to self-loathe. We can change the narrative. Many members of the black agree with uh, black elite agree with me on that, sorry. But off the record, they claim we can't say that publicly because that's a very intelle- um, intellectual way to look at things and the black community isn't ready for that. So are the black elite saying the community is too thick to understand that? I want no part of that. The black elite in this country should be using their platform to improve the lives of black people they are meant to represent. By improving the lives of black people, they change the perception of black people, which in turn will see the entire black community prosper. That is the real fight against racism and what I've been championing for years. And I can't disagree with what you said there, John Barnes. I actually agree with the elite. But my problem is, again, you've talking about you can't blanket things in. But again, there's many different racism and many in regards to discrimination now which is different and barriers there's many different strands of that you branched this all in you've taken what could be a healthy debate in regards to unlearning certain things that the likes of ben, um bernardo silver sorry potentially could have and started talking about things you can't talk when you you can have separate conversations and you can champion more than one fight i agree like Don't get me wrong. And I've said this in a video yet to come out. There's a lot of discrimination and barriers to to get through. We all know people what the FA reflects. It doesn't necessarily, necessarily reflect at the highest levels what the nation typically looks like now or perceptions of what the nation looks like the team look like it, the national England national team look at it, but you look in the boardroom and these things, yeah, there's people about, let's not say no one's there, but the percentages gets lower and lower, and again, as much as I feel these barriers are true, I agree with John Barnes in that there's certain, I've seen it myself, trying to make a way in my own life, there's certain people of what I would call the black elite, or people that have made a way, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that will help and things, and they've helped me along my journey, as have a lot of people that aren't black and have been white and other things have helped me and done a lot for me so it just goes to show people are nice out here but there are some people that self love There are some people that go to these networking events and events to share with quote unquote wisdom with no, no other intention than stroking their ego and some other things. Cause you've got to look at it, people. A lot of a lot of people go and be mentors, but some of them don't really care to mentor people. They just want to be able to put that they mentor. This is how sick it is. There's people charging courses to sit with them. Now again, just because you're you're black doesn't mean you need to fight the black the black struggle and try and make away and stuff. I personally agree. I personally think whoever you are if you're not trying to make a way for someone that looks like you or just people that are facing discrimination in some way when you can I personally think that's disgraceful but I can't put my moral compass onto a next man, because he might care about it, but if it's not him, it's not him. I think it's wrong, and I think staying quiet and staying silent is is, is just as dangerous to a degree as several other things, but I get it, and I can't always criticise a next man if that's not what they're on. I don't agree with it. I think it's upsetting, but I do agree with that. There's, certain, there's a lot of members of the black elite in terms of, obviously, people that have made a way that do a lot for people, do not get it twisted, and don't mix that up at all, people. Trust me on that. There is a lot of clean-hearted individuals, but it is what it is, man. And I do agree. I I agree with that because, if, for instance, I know it says, ironically, it's not as white and black as this, but I personally be- believe to a degree, it's, 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 it's mad that I've been carrying on with these people in light of Black History Month. I was meant to just talk about the Premier League and just keep it moving. But I feel as much as I talk about black cultures and black this and ethnic this and BAME this, and we can all see the barriers that need to be blown, again, inward looking, what are these ex-footballers doing? Again, I know it's not as simple as these people, but they're not putting their... Some are, but they're not... For no major projects... I don't know about them. They're not putting together no... They're not saying, yo, listen... Uh, for instance, I know there's black physios, but they, we don't see enough of our people as physios or referees or something. Can we make a little charity where we can break down barriers, we can get courses paid for, we can help people elevate? You see what I'm saying, people? Can we help get people to be coaches? Can we try and put people on? Can we try and build little things in the ends and do little things to help people? Again, many people, sadly, in life won't be safe, but if you can just help one. I, I see that. I'm not going to say nobody's doing that, but there's not enough. And at the higher level, I personally believe one big reason of breaking barriers Will be if a a black man owns a football club he's more likely to employ black people this is I'm using the same logic that people in these positions that are white have been saying to me in front of my eyes at at events people they've literally said that they've said that uh, one reason for the for the diversity issues is when these owners are playing golf they don't have many black friends and I think it's nonsense don't get me wrong I think that's nonsense when I heard that on the other hand it makes sense because how do you we all know it's a, in life it's about who you know. So if they're a close-knit bunch and he loses his manager, he's going to ask his friend on the phone or on the golf course, do you know one? Yeah, I know I know Sam Allardyce. No disrespect to Sam or to draw him up. But I know Sam Allardyce, he'll come. Do you get it? By that same logic, if a black man owns a club, he's going to employ black people in certain positions. That helps break down barriers. And if enough of people, if a couple of clubs are owned, then things could be done. But there's no ownership, really. And I have to, as much as I can look at the other side or look at barriers being put in you have to hold other people accountable because i have to say it does look like some just don't care some won't care or some are just too pussycat to get involved in any of that and i can't blame you or get onto you if that's not what you're on because we're all living our lives in different compasses and that But it is what it is i believe in this notes i've got the final bit on racism is lazio stadium will be partly closed for their europa league game Against Celtic next month as punishment for racist behaviour by their fans, they've been they've been fined seventeen thousand euros, I believe, and they will suffer full stadium closure if they reoffend within a year. I mean, ooh, such a deterrent. Moving on from that, people now, man, and quick mention of Eddie Nketiah. He scored a hat trick um for 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 England the other day, or yesterday, in fact, um for the under 21s. Done his thing against Austria. He scored a perfect hat trick, really, and. They weren't the best of goals, but goals are goals. And it was nice to see him get game time. He looked hungry out there. He looked like someone that's been starved of real competition. And hopefully the Leeds thing changes. But yeah, um, Callum Hodgson-Odoi for me, people, is quality. I would take it. Him and Foden, if I was England manager, we'll get onto that briefly later. But they would be, personally, people, I'm not going to lie, they would be going to the Euros for me. Because I believe if Callum shows he's fit enough, I'm taking him as an option. I feel folding in an exception to the rule. He does need football. There's the debate to talk about separately of Phil Folden getting football. But I believe he should go, man. Like, creative-wise, he's got that, man. And just as an option in the squad, if nothing more. Um, obviously, AD Bruford just said, more or less said, it will be sooner rather than later of Saka getting into the under-21. So maybe he's heard my call, potentially. Will it got minutes. Charlie Pantino, who I believe yesterday... Turned 16, the Arsenal schoolboy was captain in England's under-17s, which shows how decent he is in the central, the midfield. Sam Greenwood played um, for the 18s and scored as well, as did Hubert, the goalkeeper um, of Polish descent. I can't say his last name, or I would. Um, Who else is there? Miguel Aziz got some minutes. Our former Arsenal player, Monsa, obviously got an assist and scored in the two games I've heard his age group play, which is quite upsetting seeing talented Arsenal young players leave. man, I think he could have went all the way potentially at the club man but in eddies in eddies um case he's got four goals in his last nine games in all competitions people um i believe for Leeds um two of which came off the bench in the league um so yeah man hopefully he gets a chance man or we're going to have to reevaluate his situation in the future people really man um and he also missed a penalty um also on the topic of um england I was looking at the England squad, people, and I was thinking, like, I don't know who I would call up if I was Southgate, you know. And I quickly looked at the recent squad, just went off the recent squad that's up right now, people. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself personally, let me highlight the names of people I'll definitely go go with. Looking at the squad, people, I see Tom Heaton, Jordan Pickford, um, Pope, the keepers, defenders, Trent, Chilwell, Gomez, Keane, Maguire, Mings, Rose... Tomori, Trippier, midfielders, you've got Barkley, Delft, Henderson, Madison, Mount, Rice and Winks, up front, Tammy Kane, Rashford, Sanjo, Sterling, Wilson, obviously we know we know Sterling can play up front, but we, come on, they're the wide, they're the wide option, Sanjo and Sterling, and I looked at it, mm, the names I got in red, which is the players I'm, I would definitely take at this moment in time would be Trent, would be Chilwell, would be based on current form, Kane, well not even current form Kane's the best striker but I meant to say Tammy Abraham and plus I can't really see another number nine um Jaden Sandro Raheem Sterling they'd be going for me um the middle of the park is a massive concern for me personally as well people um because I'm not too Stones would go for me as well um center half so I'm not too sure Maguire would go Maguire Stones I like Gomez, so Gomez would go. I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan, so if Holding plays, Holding would go, but so it's a sticky one. Tamori's been playing all right, deserves to be in the squad. Um, there's a lot of right-backs to choose from as well. Walker might get a look back in, but I think Trippier's done done all, all right since he's gone to Atletico. But I don't know, man. The midfield is not really inspiring. you got Winks, Rice. I mean, current form, I'd take Mount. Madison too, possibly, potentially. Henderson would go just because he's got that captain mentality. Delph, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, he's done his thing in the poor Everton side, but, ah, Barclay scored and done his thing in the international break, but ah, I've got nothing against them, but I just mean solid options right now. I'm looking at people that I would take in my heart. It's Harry Kane, Tammy Abraham, Jaden Sandro, Raheem Sterling, Trent, Chilwell, Maguire, and Stones, because i just got to bias to Stones, really. Potentially Gomez, but they're the names, um, Foden and, 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 and... hudson adoy asterix um away from this squad i mean winks he's all right he played all right but winks rice i mean i think they've got to pull it out a bit more um i think Delft played all right for everton madison's been part of a good ever leicester side sorry mount and and lampard it just looks like father and son really and truly so yeah moving on from that um what else have we got to speak about We can speak about Dilit quickly, people. Matthias Dilit, he's moved from Ajax, obviously, to Juventus, people, Um, and it's been tough for him. I told you a lot, like it's going to be tough for all of these young players. People saw what he was doing at Ajax, and they got gassed off the word potential. And now, I was telling you a lot. I mean, if you was really watching Dilit, you can go back to when Spurs beat Ajax. Look how Lorente bullied him. That's no no fault of his own. He's a physical specimen, but he's still a young man. He's still naive defensively in several incidences, and it's only going to come with experience. The good thing is he's at Juventus, where Italy is the school of defending. He's in a well-drilled side, generally. There's a lot of expectations, so he's going to have to learn quickly, people. Um, he's not looked at as a young player now. He's like, you're a Juventus player. When called upon, you've got to do things. And... He's learning a lot, people. He's been, like, he's still learning. He's making, quite frankly, poor mistakes, but he's still learning and he's gone on to see. At Ajax, I felt invincible. Today, it's different. But I think it's normal because everything is new for me. I'm progressing. I'm not worried. I don't know my... No. I don't, I don't know myself why I'm not playing as well as I'd like. All I can do is continue to work, to do my best, and to try to learn from my teammates. I play and that's the main and that's the main thing because in the end I'm sure that everything will go go well and this season will be positive people. Alright, cool, man. I mean I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that people. So I mean finally we can the Premier League is back, people, like the Premier League is back and let me flip through. We might as well speak about the upcoming Premier League games, people. The first one I'm gonna speak about is Everton versus West Ham. Now Everton haven't lost back-to-back home games v. West Ham since 1930, but they did lose this fixture last season. By, I think it was 3-1. I cannot be sure. Um, Everton obviously have one win in their last five. Massive pressure over Marco Silva. Question marks over the players as they would be. Everton should be doing better. Um, so it's a good clash. It's 8th in... West Ham at 8th, so it's 8th versus 18th. With Everton in 18th which is quite shocking, really. And... um. West Ham are doing all right, man. Their last um, their last defeats have come at home, so they're quite good away from home. They've been unbeaten in their last six away from home in all competitions, which is their best away form, I believe, um, since 2009. I saw in terms of stats. So West Ham should be bullish. They should look to take advantage of the poor home form and the uncertainty over the manager's future with these iffy results. It's time for the Everton lads and them not, not just forget the manager's sake, but to play and prove yourselves. Like there's there's several of you that potentially Everton fans, I don't know their team more than me, they know their stuff more than me, will be looking at you and question marking if you have a future at this club. And I mean, you've got to show you've got a future because I'm sure, I don't want to play devil's advocate and it is quite disrespectful to Marco Silva. But if I was the owner of a football club and the form was like this, I'm not saying I'd sack him tomorrow, but I'd be having indirect talks with potential replacements and things. And these things are a real thing, people. They do happen. And if a different manager comes in, some players that are potentially complacent might not find a, a future at the club, let alone in, in the match day side. So we'll see. Ashton Villa versus Brighton. relegation. Both potential relegation contenders. No disrespect to them because Brighton have done all right and they did a job on, on Spurs for us. 14th versus 15th I think that's going to be one I'm going to see in the match of the day highlights and that should be a decent one for the neutrals I think Bournemouth versus Norwich is going to be a very decent game people obviously the last time they met in the Premier League Bournemouth won three goals to nil both sides are yet to keep a clean sheet this season I know Pookie's not been as firing hot as he's as he's um in recent weeks as he was at the start of the season, but he's still a good striker. They've obviously got Callum Wilson, King, and several other players that can post a threat to Norwich, people. Um, you'd think both both sides are yet to keep a clean sheet. So, like I said, there's goals in that game, man. Potentially, if Norwich play that free-flowing, Eddie Howe does the same thing, it could be a decent one, at least on paper, people. Um, Nor- Nor- Norwich, for example, have conceded at least two goals in their last six Premier League games, people. Since um since two thousand and fifteen in Bournemouth's case they've had ninety games where both teams have scored the only teams that have had higher games in that in which no secret Arsenal with ninety two and Leicester with ninety three so surely there's goals I don't advocate betting I mean if betting sponsors want to come mess with me but and I don't want none of you to lose your money so risk what's the what's the saying they say. Just don't bet, man. Just just be just behave people. But um surely that's a both teams to score sort of thing, man. Maybe a two point five goals or something in that might be cheeky. Moving away from that, you've got Chelsea versus Newcastle. Hopefully, similar to Newcastle taking points off United at Old Trafford, they can do something for us. And saying that, I know Newcastle probably damage limitation going into that, but they played all right against Liverpool. They let themselves down, but Liverpool at Anfield, they put in a decent fight. They won at Old Trafford. Um, no, they didn't win at Old Trafford. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Right. No, no, no. They did not win at Old Trafford. That was on Tyneside. I, I, I'm so wrong about that. But they won in these big games, people. They, 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 they won against United, and their performance was encouraging against Liverpool. So going to Stamford Bridge, they should be confident. I know that that's the only reason they should be confident, and because the fact Chelsea can't really keep clean sheets as well. Other than that, Newcastle have only won one game in the last 25 beat Chelsea at that place. Last time coming with the two nil victory in 2015 my chronological time map is poor but people is that when Cissé scored that fake goal with like the outside of his foot against Peter Cech I can't remember and I'm probably wrong um but who knows Chelsea are fifth Newcastle are 16th um so we'll see what happens in that Chelsea have won their last six home games beat Newcastle scoring 17 goals and only conceding three um so we'll see what that happens Educator guess is saying Chelsea will take three points but hopefully Newcastle can do Arsenal a favour. Um, you've got Leicester versus Burnley. Now, Leicester is one of the best, if not the case, to be the best form side in the league relative to their ambitions right now. Leicester and Liverpool are red hot, probably the best informed sides at the moment or was at the moment going into the international break. I know City lost, in, but we have to respect them. City, obviously, a second, but you get the point. Leicester built a fortress at home. They've been playing some great football. Players are playing well there's about six five six in their players always linked with other clubs brendan rogers is get brendan rogers sorry is getting all the plaudits and rightly so they're sitting in the in champions league spots at this moment in time in fourth burnley are seventh burnley are are winless in their last six away games people drawing two games and losing four um however what should give them encouragement is um their last three games um have all ended equal and in all competitions obviously. And in the last and in and there's always been there's been goals in the last ten minutes, so it could be a thing Leicester are two 0 up and then Burnley, you gotta really see that game out to the end. Leicester's away form is poor. Like I said, they're winless in six. That's pretty poor people. Um Leicester are unbeaten in their last six at home, winning three games in the spin, like I said, scoring goals. So football matches ain't one on paper, but Burnley fans are probably dreading the worst there. But Burnley are going to be a tough side to break down. They're going to, they're a good defensive side anyways, but you can imagine because of who they're playing and whatnot, they're going to be doing even more two banks of four training and things like that. Elsewhere, you've got Wolves versus Southampton, 11th versus 17th. I believe this is Wolves' 100th home game in, in something. I just, I can't even remember what it was, but it's their 100th home game in some sort of statistic. I clearly didn't copy and paste it all, but it sounds like a special occasion of sorts. So I'm sure Nuno and the boys at Wolves will want to win that. Southampton are 17th now the league isn't going to end tomorrow but you've got Everton in 20th you've got Southampton in 17th similar to Everton you don't want to be in these sides in these in these positions there's question marks clearly again I don't know what's going on at Southampton but surely there's question marks over several players and the management so that's going to be a difficult game for either party Um, Crystal Palace have got Man City now Man City have lost twice this season but you'd imagine no disrespect to Palace that Manchester City just continue to win in their last four games crystal palace are are winless against manchester city city um have scored in 15 of their last 16 games against their opposition that they're coming against manchester city have won nine of their last 10 games in london their last defeat coming in 2018 against chelsea um what else have we got palace tried Palace potentially could secure three games, a free their third consecutive win. Sorry, people, on the spin in the Premier League, they haven't done that since last May. Manchester City have won ten of their last away games, but I've also, like I said, lost twice this season, and as I have written down um, for 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 Palace, Palace have beaten United, so they should be confident uh, 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 in regards of what they applied in that game if they can apply it elsewhere. But yeah, man, City are chasing Liverpool. Liverpool have 24 points to Manchester City's 16. So they got to get behind that, people. And obviously Liverpool are going to play Manchester United. So yeah, these are the games you got to try and close the gaps and you're hoping United can do you a favour. Obviously on current form, you think Liverpool are going to completely smoke United. But again, games are not one on paper, people. It's a game of football. Um, before we get on to United and obviously the Arsenal... Liverpool, Liverpool, Spurs and Watford are playing each other at home, so the traffic in my house is going to be a madness on Saturday. Obviously, Spurs want to get top four. Spurs' form have been iffy. Regardless of what you say, though, they're on 11 points. Now, you look at Manchester United v Liverpool. You, like I said, on current form, you'd expect Liverpool to take three points. Arsenal, no disrespect for Sheffield United, but it might not be the most scariest of games, but Arsenal should be cause for concern. It's away from home, it's against a good Sheffield United side. So, these are the games Spurs fans and Spurs first fans and their players should be looking to close the gap. Um, like I said, Spurs' form hasn't been good, but they should be confident. Watford have only won lo- have only won once in their last 12 against Spurs, and that was at Watford's ground, so away from home is a myth. Spurs have won nine of their last home games against Watford. Um, obviously, since beating Arsenal in 2017, Watford have lost 16 away games against the Big Six, scoring nine and conceding 53, which should again be of confidence to Wolves um, to Spurs. Sorry. Spurs sadly though, well, not sadly as an Arsenal fan, but um, sadly for them, have said, Spurs have lost more games in all competition in 2019 than any other Premier League side, which which is 19 last time this happened was in 2008 which was in that Hyundai Ramos hopefully them days return back to Spurs but um moving on people you've obviously got Man United you've got you've got we've got a speaker by Man United v Liverpool now I'm not a fan of either club but they're two clubs rich in history a rich history of rivalry good times bad times Ferguson saying knock them off the porch. These are games both fans don't want to lose people. It's a serious rivalry. On current form, you'd expect Liverpool to win that and walk away with three points. And you'd expect United to just simply get smoked. And it could be one of them ones, depending on the defeat, where you hear somebody has lost their job in the morning. The good thing is games are not won on paper. It's United. I mean... Ferguson will probably make sure he's at that stadium and probably be managing from an earpiece. Uh, The players will feel the spirit from the fans. It's Man United v. Liverpool. Tactics, form, these sort of games, it goes out the window. Obviously not completely out the window, but it goes out the window. And I don't know where United would get confidence from, but um, looking at it, they're unbeaten in their last five at home against Liverpool, um, which is the longest run since 1991. Um two thousand I believe. Two and two thousand and something. I didn't even print. It's enemy of progress really. Can't see DG's trying to do some statistics thing and it's not even aligning it. But um yeah, it's also the first time Liverpool will be top of the league in playing against their opposition since nineteen ninety six. Um United have also had more penalties against Liverpool more than any other side. So could there be a penalty in this game for the gamblers? Um four of the last six games between the two have ended level Uh, previous to that though only four of the previous 36 ended uh, ended ended like such yeah, and looking forward, only it says only Chelsea and Manchester City have won more Premier League games um, v United than Liverpool, which stands at five. So again, it's a game of passion. Will Matter be the one to chip in and score? Will it be Martial or or will Mane and Firmino and the rest of them wreak havoc? What should even give more United cause for concern is Pogba, who's missed five of the last seven with an ankle knock, I believe, and has suffered a setback in regards to his rehabilitation out in Dubai apparently is missing this game, and so is De Gea. I believe De Gea hurt himself in international break. Now, this could be United hoodwinking, but it could be the truth, people. And if both of them players are missing from your side, then I'd personally be very concerned as a United fan because they're two of your best players, regardless of form. The good news or some consolation, however, is Martial, Wambasaka and Luke Shaw are expected to return um, um, from, from their respective injuries. United have only obviously won just two of their last eight Premier League games. And, yeah, man, sit just two points above um, above the drop zone in 12th. So, things could happen. It could be banter. Um So, I'm looking forward to that game. Moving forward, though, people. And Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Sheffield United v. Arsenal. People, I am concerned. I It's going to be a game where I hope it's not and we can walk all over them. But... It's gonna be a game where we're gonna to have to really fight to earn three points out there. We're gonna battle. They're unbeaten away from home. They're playing at home, and we'll get onto that. But that shows you they know how to set up well away from home. That shows you they know how to be a side difficult to break down. We know we rely on the individual brilliance of several players, whether it's Lacazette, who hopefully plays some part, or Bamian, who's been in red hot, hot, red hot, sorry, form, and the rest of it. We've scored five goals We've scored five goals in eleven away trips. There, people, it's gonna be difficult. So if they know how to set up and how to be difficult to break down, and at home they play a bit more expansive and got the fans and the Steel City passion behind them and stuff, it is gonna be a tough game. The atmosphere is. I don't. Want, I hope it's. I'm overselling this, but the atmosphere is gonna be there. You know, Sheffield United, Steel City passion, grit determination. I don't want to downplay that and think they're just a side with blood blood and guts. They've got some good technical footballers. They're good defensively. They know how to exploit sides. Their fans on Arsenal have problems away from home. Their fans are going to be supporting them. They have every reason to be bullish as well. They made Liverpool work very hard for them three points. And you can say the only reason that Sheffield United let themselves down is you could see the difference between championship football and similar to Villa. And, and Premier League football. They let themselves down and Liverpool were able to exploit them. But they made Liverpool work for them points. It wasn't a thing where they were just sitting back. They gave Liverpool a goal. The only criticism you could probably say of Sheffield United is that they really... They, I ain't got the statistics to hand, but they really struggle to convert goals. And apparently there's issues apart, uh, regarding McBurney. Um, hopefully they're proper issues so he's not involved so they won't have their key striker. From an Arsenal perspective, Emil Smith-Rowe is back in training and eligible for selection... Um, I believe there was a behind closed doors friendly In which Lacazette didn't feature In fact I don't even know I don't think he did But Um Ozil played Bellerin played Holding played I'd assume Mavropanos played Against Reading And it ended 2-2 I didn't watch the game I have no specifics But it shows you all of these players are illegible uh, To some degree We know the whole Ozil thing Um, Regarding Reese Nelson Obviously he's not back until November So yeah man Sheffield are going to be tough to break down. They've lost by no more than a single goal this season as well. So we're going to have to... Well, they're going to be tough to break down. They can be tough to break down and they can be expansive, people. So it's going to it's going to be a game tactically we're going to have to be on point. It sounds silly, but take your chances. Make sure you don't allow the fans to unnerve you because they're going to be right behind them. This is why they wanted to return to the Premier League to play these games. It's a Monday night. I wouldn't want to be up in Sheffield, no disrespect, on a Monday night playing against them. I wouldn't. But that's how the game is. It's not a game for nothing else. It's a game for passion. It's a game for grit. It's a game for determination. And I hope to God every Arsenal player is fully prepared for such people. And especially... And Chris Weld is even very confident about it. He said, "We we are as bullish as you obviously imagine because that is the approach that we take. We were against Liverpool. The crowd have been amazing at home. And that is not me rubbing their heads because they know how important it is for them to be on the front foot and make it hostile and noisy. The last manager who came here, Jurgen Klopp, commented on the atmosphere as well. It was a real pat on the back for the way our ground was set up and the atmosphere inside it. We still need that on Monday night and I'm sure that it will happen A night game at Bramall Lane, under the lights, live on Sky. Something that we are really looking forward to and getting after the opposition, but understand the quality they've got. Has he got anything else? No. So, yeah, Arsenal v Sheffield, you obviously... My Arsenal cap came out, people, and and you saw it. But hopefully that's something... That's a decent game um, to be said. Um, What else have we got to speak about? Um, From an Arsenal perspective... Um, I've already spoken about Saka in the under-21s. We've spoken about Emile. I mean, I'm I'm happy to hear about Lombard people, man, because, again, people can say what they want to say about Maitland-Niles, but Cohen Bramble's left his club. Saka's praised Lombard. Maitland-Niles has pr- praised Lombard. A lot of these young players are praising Lombard, and we've got a young squad. We've got to develop several players. There is every chance Lombard one day is going to be a manager, hopefully at Arsenal, if, if it goes that way. He sounds like he's very good at developing players. Maitland Niles has said, There's quite a few things I've learnt. He knows me as a winger, so attacking-wise, he's helped my game a lot. Defensively, I go to someone else to help me, because there are two different styles that I have to play. Him personally, he pulls me to the side a lot, and has shown me different techniques and ways of beating players, ways of crossing the ball and shooting. It's helping me. And I'm really happy to have him around because he's such a big figure in the team. And how many young players have been saying that about him, people? It's been it's been quite crazy. Um It's 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 actually it's actually been quite crazy. To to kind of wrap this up, people, we we kinda of might as well just touch on some Arsenal stuff. So give me one second. I'm actually here, I'm just actually trying to press my camera. And it's been an enemy of progress. Oh, gotta turn that on. Not even turn oh we can't even I was trying to hook up the YouTube fans, people. And it's not looking like the cookie is gonna crumble that way. Oh yes it is. So yeah. We might as well end this. We might as well end this speaking about some Arsenal stuff, people. Apologies for that. Um speaking about what's the first one we should get to? Now let's recap. Should we recap Mesut Ozu again, people? Now that's gonna be a funny one, and I think it's it, it's a lesson of everything is not beneath the hood. Because many people will say Ozu is lazy and all of these things, and you can have your opinions. We know statistically he runs a lot, but people say he has a lazy attitude to training. But you're hearing he's you're hearing how quickly he returns to pre-season, He's working with a fitness coach, so to a degree, is it give and take? Because again, I'm not saying don't have your opinion on Mesut Ozil, people. Don't think he's if you think he's past it, he's not your cup of tea. I share some of these opinions, but don't have that but at what point do we judge it on a fair basis because as much as we might agree that he needs to be moved on and the game is past him and all of these things I don't feel Emre is completely wrong I don't feel Ozil is completely wrong but Ozil's played what 140 minutes 71 in the Premier League if he's showing it in training and doing extra sessions then surely he deserves to be a part of the side again I hope, hope both the manager and him sort out their differences because I just want to focus and speak about Arsenal getting the top four and purely top four people, like, I'm tired of the dramas at Arsenal, because I think the media, they get an easy ride with Arsenal, because it's easy to just make up some nonsense and, and, and get some clickbait and carry on, carry on with all that sort of stuff, people, man, it, it really, it really annoys me, it really, it really, 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 really annoys me, man, um, so yeah man, what else have we got to have we got to speak about um in relating to Arsenal? I I can't I can't find it people. There it is. Kieran Turney's been likened to Arsenal legends like Kenny Sampson people and Ashley Cole and Nigel Winterburn um which is big is which is which is big 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 praise by Alan Smith smudger. He said I've also got to mention Kieran Turney's contribution. Because the way he has performed in his first two appearances for Arsenal suggests the left back is capable of following in the footsteps of greats like Kenny Sampson, Nigel Winterburn, and Ashley Cole. He's swift, skillful, and tough. For any striker, it's very handy to know when the ball is coming in, so you can make your run with real confidence. Tierney doesn't mess about. A sharp, whip, a sharp shift and whip has become a trademark already. It reminded me of the wonderful service provided by Brian Marwood in the 1988-89 title winning season. Now, for my older head, you lot must remember that and must be licking your lips at reminiscing about that. So, hopefully, man. I mean, I would love him to... I, I, I like him. I think he's got potential to do that and be a hallmark in our defence and someone for our team to resonate with. And he's almost very mature. It's easy to remember. forget, sorry, that he's only 22 but let's let him play first, man. Let's let him do this, man. I think he can do all of these things. And I share Alan Smith's opinions. Um, but yeah, man. He also said, Brian didn't always feel the need to beat his man. He chopped the ball inside before. Um, moving away from that, Lacazette has said, um, he wants to become the best or a great. And... It's nice to see because Guendouzi clearly works hard and he's, people can say what they want about him, but his hard work has been re- rewarded. Surely there's a new deal in the pipeline at Arsenal, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine so. He's been called up to the front side, didn't play, but it's a good look. Um He's been nominated for the Golden Ball Award or Golden Boy Award, whatever it's referenced as. Make sure you vote for him. I like that, man. And he's kind of opened up on how it is. We already knew he's like a younger brother because we always see him, Obamian and Lacazette at each other's houses, like last season with Usman Dembele. Hopefully, you know, come on, Sanye, make that happen. But um, on a serious note, he said, he's like a younger brother in the friendship group with me and Uber. We all have a real good relationship. We like to work and laugh together. So it's really good. I'm really happy for Matteo for being named September's premier league player of um, premier league for being named arsenal player of the month he played very well he helped the team when we needed him he is really improving each season so we were really happy with his performances this month we can see that every top midfielder in the world is like this in terms of demanding the ball and being brave that you all want to take the ball Matteo has good ambition, he wants to be one of the best in his position, so every day he's trying to be the best, and this month he's showed that he can be, trust me. Moving away from that for my Arsenal fans, Reese Nelson has opened up on his upbringing on the Ellsbury estate in South London, the 20 year old. He has said how playing in cages helped him become the player he is today. When I was little, I was in the cages every day after school, it was the place. And it was the place because we, the kids from Ellsbury Estate, could go and be ourselves, not be judged by others. Down in the cages, you didn't have any friends really. That was the battlefield. It was t- it was a tough place, but it helped raise me. It influences my game and my life even now. I'm not the only one. Sandro is from nearby. That boy knows his way around the cages, I can tell you that much. Same with Tammy Abraham. He 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 can play that boy. That's why they all got the skill on the ball. That little area, it creates more talent than you could ever imagine. And there's more coming too. So when people ask me about the estates in South London, I tell them about the cages. And I tell them that the South London is where the warriors come from and the little empire of warriors. And although I'm from North, I kind of understand that because I, I find it funny now. You know, how all the scouts and all the talent people at clubs—it's all the range now, people to, to street footballers, the skills and 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 the, the, the you know the rough around several edges. It's that's all the rage now. But I mean, when these players were frowned upon, ah, oh, he thinks he's a show. He's a showboat or he's a one-trick pony. He he does this. He 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 looks too hot, difficult to handle. It's all the rage now, and I'm happy to see it because it's providing a way out and a way for young footballers from. Inner city London and then everywhere else that has the same issues, a way out, man. They're getting a way to play football, earn a living, improve their family's life. Hopefully, give back to the community, keep the cycle away from that. Football presents a lot of marketing opportunities and other commercial opportunities, and it allows you to see the world, man. I mean, look at all them. If you've just, like, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you previously were a rugby or Maitland Nows you've in the last two three years, you've what Australia, China, um, Singapore. All over in Europe for Europa and, and all of these sort of things, people. It's it's crazy, man. I really I really like that man and I wish that was me. I would have loved to love to have been a footballer people, but that's not all the way that's not the way the cookie crumbles sometime, dog. Moving away from that though, people, finally and to end this podcast, Miss Lin has spoken about Obamian or offered some thoughts in relation to him. Um <clears throat> he said first he said He is one, possibly the only one of these extraordinary top, top, top strikers who is an absolute team player. A player like Neymar or Guerrero, for example, would never give the penalty to Pepe to score his first goal. And I like that camaraderie because I'm sure Aubameyang, Lacazette's done that for Aubameyang. When he took a penalty, I'm sure that's been given to Lacazette. I like that selflessness, man. Like Obviously, I like my strikers hungry. I would have had no way if Aubameyang would have said, yo, listen, this is my thing. I'm taking it, sort of thing. But it is it is what it is in that regards, man. Pepe is confident in terms of penalties. It's helping him out, man. It's helping a fellow brother get out, get on, try and, try and get things going because... Obama and hopefully signs a new deal. He's gonna be here for the next couple of years. Pepe definitely after being sold, um, brought sorry for seventy odd million is gonna be here. So they need to be on the same wavelength and feel each other the the same way. So I like my strikers to be selfish, but I don't mind that. Don't do it again though. Like unless it's these don't get twisted. Unless it's these circumstances here, people where obviously Pepe weren't in the best of form. I'm not saying give it to someone for the sake of it. The one thing I like is that. Obama can take penalties. Lacazette can, and Pepe scored his at Arsenal previously at Leo. He showed he can score goals from the penalty spot. So they're all quite good penalty takers. Um, he's also said he also went on to he also went on to say um, he obviously kept continued to praise him for that. But he also said in relation to Arsenal's move, it was clear Obama had to make the next move in his career. There were rumours he was going to China. I thought that was too early a move for him. I knew Oba well. I knew he wanted to play for a big side in England or Spain. See, so that might be, so that obviously the feelers were out. Right. And you also remember before he came to Arsenal, I remember a Champions League game where I can't remember why, but did he he either didn't play or he was on the bench because Tuchel suspended him or something due to that due to whatever. And it was to a degree a kind of sour exit from Dortmund, from what I remember. It weren't no so Campbell from Spurs to Arsenal, but yeah. And he's also said Since he's joined Arsenal, he's played where asked, and so he has especially helped Lacazette to adapt to the Premier League. Maybe this attitude costs him to play for clubs like Real Madrid or Barcelona, but maybe they made a mistake not to go for him. Well, I'd imagine Real Madrid would like Aubameyang right now, and I'd imagine Barcelona wouldn't mind him on their bench, or mixing, alternating him and Suarez. Don't get twisted, Suarez's movement and all them things is better than Aubameyang's, but... They need a poacher or someone who just scores goals. Um, maybe it does cost him, but I mean, I think Aubameyang's got that healthy blend of being selfish. You, I mean, it, he's a team player, but he's incredibly selfish. You, can, and that's a good thing. In in the one football is the one thing where being selfish in as a striker is good because you can't you can't be a twenty two within reason. There's players like Messi and whatnot, but you can't. As a, cut the crap at number nine. You have to be selfish. What top, There's no top striker that you can't say at some point they're selfish, and that's what you need. Neymar, like he said, Aguero, Aubameyang, Kane, you say that they've got that hunger. Personally, I don't know how, how Aubameyang scores 20 league goals at Arsenal, despite the fact that he's a great player because he's been on the bench, come off the bench and scored, done his thing off the left-hand side. Um sometimes not getting service through the middle. Um I don't know how he how he does it people. I don't I I knew Aubameyang was a goal scorer and he would score goals, but I commend him even more cuz I don't feel we play to his strengths. How many Aubameyang goals can you say at Arsenal? And this is why I rate him a bit more. He's really got to run behind, and it's been a typical use in his pace. There's not many of them, really. Like, I can remember off the top of my head, Gwendoza, the ball against Spurs, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there's not really any of them finishes. Now, Aubameyang is a top player. There's nothing more to be said about that lad, man. I've got nothing more to add, people, so I'm going to get out of here. On that note, people, deluded. It's been a lovely podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Stay safe and the rest of it, and... Hopefully you're here tuning in again one day. I'm out.